Welcome to the Tech Humanist Show, a multimedia format program exploring how data and technology shape the human experience. I'm your host, Kate O'Neill. Just because something happened a certain way in the past does not mean that's the way it's going to be in the future. Humans do have the ability to adapt and shift how they do the work that they need for the life that they want. That's Dana Bennett. She's the president of the Nevada Mining Association. She spoke with us about how mining companies are embracing emerging technologies to innovate, optimize operations, and improve safety. It's an interesting thing that most people probably don't think about mining as a particularly tech-intensive field. But obviously, between drones and AR and VR and the Internet of Things, I gather that's changing. What technology advances and needs do you see primarily coming into play for mining companies and specifically for those in Nevada? Tech is very much a part of mining, and it really has been from the beginning of time. I mean, mining is a technological activity, and humans use the tools that they have available. And when those tools don't work in the way that they want, they develop new tools. And a lot of that happens in the mining industry. All industries use computers, so does mining for obvious things, you know, like office applications, but also for things like tracking the location of trucks in a pit. The dispatcher can see where a truck is. It can also be used for safety purposes to monitor whether a truck driver is feeling fatigued and remotely shaking that person's seat if they seem like they need a little bit of a, of a wake-up call, as well as very advanced things, such as drilling out in the field, moving those, those big pieces of equipment autonomously. I think Australia is doing quite a bit of that. But yes, it is. It is technological. Are there specific needs that you see playing out in Nevada that are different from those you see playing out, you know, around the world because of the types of the the composition of minerals and, and such that are available in Nevada? Mining is very much dependent on the environment that it's in. Nevada is a very arid environment, and yet there is water below the surface. And so tech becomes very important for monitoring how close you're getting to the water table, how you manage that, the impact on the water table, as one example. Every jurisdiction is a little bit different. The way things are mined in Nevada may not be exactly the way things are mined in Australia, but there are similarities in that, you know, it's a hole in the ground. When I dig a hole, I randomly dig a hole, but that is all very much engineered. They think very carefully about how that hole is dug and what's left behind and what's removed and how it's removed. and That had never crossed my mind before, the engineering of a whole. What are the emergent issues for for people and for companies that are affiliated with the mining industry right now as it relates to technology, but also just kind of in general? What are the big areas of change and transformation that folks are keeping their eyes on? The, The one topic of conversation that comes up everywhere is workforce development in terms of having um, people power uh, to do this kind of work. And part of it is generational. Uh, like many industries, mining is looking at a mass retirement. Um, I'm going to say opportunity, but it almost feels like it's more of a challenge. As people are, are aging and retiring from the industry, there was um, uh, perhaps a, a lull in the education of mining professionals to follow this generation. And so now we have a gap. And that is very, very concerning. That literally 
we don't have the bodies to do the work to meet the demand that the demand that you know who could have anticipated the how quickly electric vehicles and um, VR and and artificial intelligence and all of these things that use machines that use mines uh, metals and minerals that's a huge demand the supply side needs to catch up and to do that we need people. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that, and it came up in our in our own research uh, that that uh, as the future of mining is moving into more tech heavy solutions and interventions, that there would logically be a concern. But you also bring up just kind of an, an inherent gap in in the uh, the the talent demand and and talent supply within the mining. You know, the sort of aging out of of the workforce population. But are are you more concerned about this? tech specific, uh, you know, the, the availability, attraction and retention of tech specific talent, or is that also more being solved by outsourcing in many cases? So the, the concern is really across the board in terms of doing the R&D to develop the tech to, to solve problems that exist now. Um, as well as the people power to apply the tech to solve the problems. When I was writing A Future So Bright, I remember coming across a pretty significant statewide upskilling and reskilling effort that was being made. And I wonder if that's interacting at all with your industry, if you're seeing opportunities for bringing people over from different industries with cross-applicable skills. Is that happening as a result of statewide efforts being made at upskilling and reskilling? The upskilling and reskilling is incredibly important. And some of those skills are transferable. So if someone is trained in, say, an advanced manufacturing technique that may be useful in a mining or minerals processing application as well, but also having to do some of our own workforce upskilling and reskilling within our local communities. Nevada is a huge state and our communities are widely dispersed. Most people live in Reno or Las Vegas and most mines are hundreds of miles away from that area. So you have to do a little, a little bit of both, grow your own upskill your own and attract others to come into the area and, and bring new skills and new experience. And obviously some of the work related to the mining industry probably can be done remotely, but not all of it. Some of it can. And, and again, Australia provides some really good examples. They do have some equipment that is operated miles away from the location. In Nevada, there's not that great expanse of territory, but there are, for example, drills that can be placed out into the pit and then operated back on, you know, in the office, maybe a mile away. We're not to the point yet where you can be on the strip in Las Vegas operating mining equipment <laughs> in another location. <laughs> Seems like the, the big conversation is electric vehicles and other technological advancements related to the demand for lithium and other minerals, huge impact, obviously, on Nevada and other places where lithium and, and such are available. When you think about what the future of electric vehicles and, and those types of battery storage uh, demand opportunities are, what does that make you think about and how can the mining industry adapt to the demand for this emerging technology? Yeah, that, that is certainly another hot topic of discussion because the demand predictions are indicating that the amount of lithium and the amount of copper and the amount of cobalt and nickel and all of these other 
metals and minerals that we're going to need is already far exceeding the supply. And there is a lot of conversation around, well, how do we meet that demand? Well, at the same time, that demand may also be changing as we get, as, as we move through time, you know, 10 years ago, we weren't really talking about mining lithium for batteries. The, the lithium mine in Nevada was producing lithium for pharmaceutical purposes and has now increased its production because of the demand of batteries. As energy technology changes, that will also change the demand on the minerals that are needed and, and how they're mined. Another example is vanadium, which is one that's mentioned as a, as a potential um, uh, element for city-scale batteries. And uh, Nevada, Nevada has a deposit of vanadium. It's not being mined at this time. Um, but if the demand increases for that, then, then that will be a conversation. How do we do that? And how do we do that in a responsible manner? It's so interesting to me as well, as I was reading on various sources about mining and, and lithium and, and, and everything that there was to prepare for, you know, the work we're doing together. I did see a story, I'm sure you're well aware of it, that the Pentagon has dubbed Afghanistan, the Saudi Arabia of lithium and uh, kind of a double whammy uh, terminology there. Chinese entrepreneurs are, are definitely investing and it's a, it's a really interesting geopolitical story. And I wonder when the Nevada Mining Association thinks about other natural sources of minerals like lithium in places like Afghanistan and what it means geopolitically that China wants to buy and invest in in order to be ready for that future. How is the Nevada mining industry thinking about its relationship to the global mining industry? And, and maybe in particular, as it relates to sustainability goals and, and sort of the overall picture of geopolitics, not a small question, I understand, but if right. you begin piecing that out for us. Um, no, that's not a small question at all. And I'm trying to think which bite of that elephant am I going to take? Nevada is a global example, an example to the rest of the world about balancing economic productivity with environmental responsibility. And we have a very robust regulatory system. Mining is highly regulated. It is probably the most stringently regulated industry in the state and probably in the country as well. And that provides a model for other places. You know, here's how you can do it. And here's how you can do it without destroying your, your assets, essentially, in the process. In terms of how Nevada companies are engaged. Most companies that are operating in Nevada are already globally engaged. It, you don't often find a mining company that works only in one jurisdiction. The mining industry is a global industry and it's a global community consisting of folks who work all around the world. And often you'll run into people who started their career in Nevada and then they go and work in someplace overseas on two or three different continent, continents and then come back and finish their career in Nevada. It is, it is a, a key element of the mining community, really. I keep using that word globally. So we, we offer a great example and opportunity to learn from how we, how we do things. What's so interesting about what you're talking about in the idea of, you know, Nevada has seen itself in a sort of stewardship position and, and leading and setting an example. It really comes across very strong in your annual report materials and, and a lot of what you've published. I wanted to ask you about, you know, another stories that I've, I've come across is that Maine, for example, has rich sources of lithium and, and uh, has run into community resistance, Arizona has been running into community resistance as, as it relates to groundwater pollution and ongoing threats mm -hmm. to the water supply. 
yet obviously lithium is a critical element in the batteries for electric vehicles, which many people agree is, are needed to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from combustion engines running fossil fuels. So how should we be thinking about that trade-off or the balance of those issues? And how do you see the future of that dilemma unfolding? Yeah, I think that's going to be an ongoing tension and an ongoing conversation that communities are going to have with themselves. And mining is not the only industry that has examples in its past that we would prefer stay in the past. There are are certainly things that can be pointed to as, you know, examples of really bad behavior. And there's they exist. What Nevada has done though is has the state set a moment in time when they said that that bad behavior is no longer acceptable. And this is what we are doing moving forward. The Nevada legislature passed a very stringent reclamation law in 1989. You know, that's, we're getting close to 40 years, was 35 years ago. And it it changed how the industry operated and it has visible benefits to communities and to the state. So just because something happened a certain way in the past, does not mean that's the way it's going to be in the future. Humans do have the ability to adapt and shift how they do the work that they need for the life that they want. And that's what I think communities are sort of grappling with. I I wanted to carry on that line of thought too, without in any way meaning to be partisan about this issue. We've been following in the news the story about the current presidential administration looking to name a new monument in Arizona and how that might affect uranium mining. And so given the proximity of that story to Nevada, I wonder whether that affects any of the members of this association. As you said, that you know they're not necessarily limited in scope to Nevada. And I wondered how the industry tends to view these kinds of things in general. Like, will that be a topic, for example, as the members come together to talk in the beginning of September. Those decisions definitely do have an impact because every time a decision is made to restrict land for a particular use, whether it's for wilderness or it's for military use or it's for community construction or whatever that restriction is, if mining cannot happen there, it's not like you can just pull that deposit out and deal with it somewhere else. The minerals are where the minerals are. And if there's no access to those minerals, if there's no way to extract and produce them, well, then they can't be used. It's it's not like you can pick up and move somewhere else. So when large chunks of land are withdrawn from mineral exploration or development, that will have an impact in the future. If it turns out that those minerals are needed, then there's that conversation again about whether the change, whether the the use needs to be changed again. And one of the topics that will be at our convention is the amount of land in Nevada that has already been withdrawn from exploration activities. And it's about 17 million acres. That's a lot of land that already nobody can go out there and prospect for what might be there because there's no way to develop it. So you're not going to go look for it if you can't develop it. And that's, that's, um, you know, we'll see how it all turns out in the future. The the, the area in Arizona that's uh, outside of the Grand Canyon um, has known deposits of uranium and humans will have to decide, well, do we want to get along without uranium or do we want to go try to find it somewhere else? There are decision points that continue from those withdrawals. It's not the end of the conversation by any means. This leads right into a, a question I'm just dying to ask you because I think it could be a very 
insightful uh, answer that I, I wonder what, what do you wish people understood better about mining or about Nevada mining in specific, uh, and maybe even about the association of businesses involved in Nevada mining, but what do you wish people understood better? So yes, I do have to restrict it to Nevada mining. I am a Nevadan and I'm very proud of my state. I am proud of how we have developed over time. And I'm proud of some of the decisions that we've made, including that reclamation law. When it was passed in 1989, the industry was not sure that that was such a good idea. And as it has turned out, it's been good for both the industry and the state. So what I want people to understand is that mining is not static. It's not a historic artifact. Because things were done a certain way in 1864 does not mean that they were done that way in 1964 and that they're going to be done that way in 2064. It's humans are adaptable and we are amazingly innovative. And we see that in mining. Mining is not, it, it, it is an industry that changes over time. Yeah, I just wonder, you know, I've been looking at research on the technology in use in the Nevada mining industry, but I wonder if you had specific sort of favorite examples of digital transformations or technology deployments in Nevada mining to share with us. I'm especially intrigued by drone technology, especially the underground technology. And it's something that's not terribly in intuitive. It, you look at a drone, you think you see the operator is remote, not near that device. And you think they can just manipulate the joystick and send the drone anywhere. But once that drone goes underground, it loses contact. It loses contact with satellites. It loses contact with radar. It loses contact. With, it's essentially flying blind. And so to see some of that technology develop, some of which was being worked on at the University of Nevada, Reno a few years ago, is really quite fascinating. How do you develop a machine to operate blindly? It's such a great question. And advancements are being made there. We are seeing drones that can now operate essentially in a blind area. And I think that's fascinating. I'm also fascinated by the movement of the very large machines. You know, I mentioned that, that Australia is using autonomous uh, haul trucks. Those are very large machines. And in one of the first conversations that I had with a mining executive about the use of autonomous haul trucks, he said, well, we would have to completely redesign the pit because there needs to be a place for humans to hide when the machine is no longer doing what it's supposed to be doing. And I thought, wow, that's all stuff I never would have thought of. You know, you just, you think you just launched that autonomous vehicle and all will be well. So seeing that large scale technology develop is quite fascinating. Oh, that's such a great instance of a, a visual of a dystopian future. Wow. I know when he said that, I had this, you know, because these trucks are huge. They are. If you stand next to the tire, you're lucky if you're halfway up the hub. Oh and so when he said that, I had this vision of, of these little stick figures, you know, plastering themselves against the wall as the oh truck God. goes zooming by. With all that said... What does it mean for mining to be future ready? And what challenges and opportunities arise as the industry evolves? You know, we never really know what's around the corner. We never really know exactly what the future is bringing, but we can be, we can be thoughtful about it. And I think that that impacts the present. You know, if we're being thoughtful about the kind of future that we want, then we're developing a present that we really want to be in. Thank you for listening to The Tech Humanist Show. This episode was produced with help from our extended team, including research by Ashley Robinson and Aaron Daugherty at Interabang. 
You can find more information about the show's guests and links to their projects at thetechhumanist.com, where you can also find more episodes, or you can subscribe at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to all of our guests for lending their voices and ideas to help make the future a brighter place. I'm Kate O'Neill, and you've been listening to The Tech Humanist Show from KO Insights.